Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me today is my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. You know how it always is. You take a week off, and then you can't even remember the intro you do every week. Yes, I threw an extra the in there. And, um, you know, it's funny how we took a week off, and I was we were talking pre-show about, like, how there's really nothing going on but if there was anything crazy we would jump in and there wasn't even anything in the nintendo direct fire emblem you know related that we could be like oh although it would have been this specific episode because because the direct was on friday but or thursday but uh still it's it's um it's unfortunate i mean we can mention it right here it's unfortunate that fire emblem did not feature in that direct but uh hey there's still hope for later on in the year right Yep, still hoping for that genealogy echoes game. I think there's a I think there's a chance. Just keep hoping. Don't hold your breath because that would be unhealthy when it comes to Nintendo announcing Fire Emblem related content. But uh, as Eddie said, we did take last week off. I want to appreciate. Uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for for hanging in there. Uh, it was a nice little break. Um, you know, Eddie and I were talking pre-show. Like there are, we always note there's always like a quiet week sometimes that quiet week is quieter than other weeks and we might take the opportunity to you know recharge and refresh and take a bit of a break but always if there's anything crazy that comes up during that off week we will we will certainly jump in and do a mini at the very least um and we will do our best to uh definitely confirm uh, a hiatus uh, or uh, i hate to even say that we will we will confirm a you know a one week break uh on the episode prior suffice to say it should be no surprise to anybody if we take a break it'll be just like we did last episode so uh we do appreciate that little siesta um that we took there little break uh but yeah it was a good time even if we can't remember how to start the show afterwards i know you know what that's the problem with doing a weekly show is your brain's like wait a minute you're not using this right now must not need it anymore Shoop out that goes so but i do remember how to transition and talk about the fact that we were going to be talking about banners let's talk about the banners um we've got the weekly revival banner 30 heroes with lull skills running until the 28th enduring legacy until the 4th of march love of a king till the 4th of march and double special heroes running until the 5th that that late edition there that was not there pre-planning but it's there now eddie how did you do with summoning not a whole lot going on but how did you do uh, yeah, this being a genealogy banner, and as much as I'd love a FU4 Echoes game or remake, um, don't have it yet, so I don't really know these characters that well, so I uh, really didn't summon much. Uh, it was a nice light banner for me, and um, ended up getting an Anand on my free pull. Uh, nothing off of the tickets, though, and that's all I did. Which nice. is weird coming from me, I'm sure, but it is what it is. I, you know, it's like, ah, I really wish I appreciated these heroes more. And I felt like the Forging Bonds did a little more work uh, this time around. And we'll we'll talk about that um, to kind of give a little more to these heroes, even though we haven't hadn't experienced them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I also did not summon outside of the free tickets and the free summoning on um, on that banner. But I did get a Fall Vessel Robin off of the double special heroes off my free summon, which was pretty cool. I think there was only I was 
I was going for I was going for Pirate Veronica because I had I did not have her mm-hmm. as well. So green seemed like a good a good pull. Those are always great banners to pull from because I, I just find like it's a pretty pretty fair balance. I, I mean, I wish there was a spark there, but you know, yeah, I'll keep hoping. I'll keep hoping that they add sparks to to these banners. And uh, actually, along that note, I was I was reading on Reddit. Somebody was going for it was on this banner, the double special heroes, and I don't. People were questioning whether it was real or not, but they were saying they were going for a specific hero, and they ended up getting the other focus hero, and they ended up spending. They said they spent like fifteen hundred dollars, and they still didn't get the version of the hero they wanted. And it's like a lot of people were rightfully so saying, "Hey, you know, this is a lot of money you're spending on this banner. Sure, they should add spark to to these banners so that you would have, you would have gotten it." nearly right away but still like it's it's really unfortunate i will continue to advocate for the spark system being on every banner um mm-hmm. out, outside of the ones that that don't make sense and and even then like they're adding the spark to the hero to the legendary is it the legendary it was the legendary rises banner was it i remember seeing an, uh, a screenshot of like eight orbs the, you could choose from uh yeah i believe the there was a spark on the legendary revival banner. I'm trying to pull up exactly what they were calling it. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember as well. The one that had Ike and Fjorm. Fjorm and a bunch of other old legendaries. Legendary Hero Remix banners has a spark. Had a spark. Yeah, uh, which happened while we were gone last week. Oh, uh, good point. And it's already over. Um, I didn't get anything off of it, and I didn't spark it because I already have both the heroes, but. That was a confusing one because, like, as I thought it looked like, half the characters on there were legendary heroes. Um, based on what the info they gave us, it does look like these will be roughly every two months, probably with two remixed legendaries on it. But that did happen, came and went. Uh, Robin's coming back in May. Ike, Fjorm, and Lynn are coming back on the remix in July. And Hector's coming back on the remix in September. So that came and went. And, you know, it did have a spark, which was nice. But yeah, that is the risk of an RNG gotcha style game. You can summon like crazy, spend way too much money on it, which I've had issues with in the past. And especially when they have two different focus heroes of the same color. Uh, you know, like this banner, uh, you can get the wrong one many, many times. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I saw that post and I was reminded like, oh, I think they really should make an effort oh, yeah. to, I get it, like the game needs to make money, but I really feel that. Oh yeah, all the pity really... rate does is guarantee you get one of that color if there's a focus and if there's two of them there, you could always get the other one. Yeah. Yeah, I just I yeah. I I feel for people I, who do put a lot of money into it and and feel that remorse cuz it can it can ruin the enjoyment of the game for you, I feel. Yep, I don't disagree and I know how some people you know you can see the argument if it's a business they need to make money, but even there that level of it seems a little a, a, a little extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I've said that before. I just know that if I were to put 
gosh, even even if I were to put money into the game in order to get a specific hero, it would be a dangerous approach because if I didn't get that hero, I'd be like, okay, I'm probably done with this game. So in order to preserve the enjoyment of the game, which I am still very much enjoying, you know, in select, you know, modes and stuff and, and summoning as well. Like when I have the free orbs, like I'm enjoying that. So I want to keep that, that enjoyment happening. And I know that if I were to put money into it, it would, it would probably, it would ruin the enjoyment of the game. And I, and I don't want that to happen. So I just see these posts and I think, oh man, I'm really glad I, I am not putting money into the game. Cause I feel like that is a, it's tough. It's really tough. I understand where you're coming from, and I do see the viewpoint of that to a degree. But there's also a viewpoint in my mindset of, oh, I just spent, you know, $300, $400, or $1,500 on this game while I didn't get what I was aiming for. I got a bunch of stuff, and if I just give up now, I've wasted $1,500 as opposed to, you know, continuing to fight for something else with what you did get. Yeah, and and the other thing too is there is a there is I I do see the other side of it where and I do put money into the game in the sense that yeah, I would I would struggle to step away, you know, knowing that I've put money into it. Um and I'm fine putting money into it in the sense that like I'm going to put money into it to support the game because the game is free to play and and the only way it continues to exist is is people putting money into it. So I put it in strategically when it makes sense from a from a consumer standpoint and and you know what I get back from it. So in my mind it's like I think where I would struggle is if I I need this specific hero so I'm going to go like the the latest mythic banner. I need this mythic ba- I need the character off the mythic banner so I'm going to put money into it. Um depending on who that hero is like I have to be I I would be like okay I'm not going to put money into it. I'll just wait to the next rotation. Like that is always mm-hmm. the thing is like these heroes that are coming to this game, I will give the game this credit in the sense that the game, the heroes that are coming to the game are never so limited that in the way we play, we will be around when that character comes back around. Right. Yeah. Nothing is ever, this is a one and done. You're only getting this version of, of this specific hero one even the resplendent heroes if you somehow happen to miss one you can buy that that version you know it's 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 always it's always going to come back around and when they added the hero merit stuff i guess that was the only sort of restrictive thing where if you missed it you you weren't you weren't you didn't know when it was going to come back but now it's like oh in three months i'll just buy the hero with hero um not hero merit but um one of the currencies yeah thank you (laughs) so i I, I give the game credit. Be, even before the Grails, they would bring them back for revivals every so often. But mm-hmm. with the Grails, now they don't have to. Or if you do, it's a chance at an extra copy of a unit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I, I think there's both. And this goes back to our State of the Fae, uh, State of Fae um, discussion we had in November of last year, where I, I think all the points we made are still valid. And um, I, I think. Sometimes it's nice to reiterate those. Uh, I think the game's in a, in, a, in a better place than some, you know, gotchas, but it has room for improvement. And the only way, oh, yeah. unfortunately, those improvements will probably be made, and this is going to sound pessimistic, is, is if the money starts to dip. Dry in terms up, of, yeah. Yeah. So. Sadly, wells are going to be wells, and sometimes RNG will kick them in the balls. Yeah. Uh, but some things that won't uh, 
cause genital injuries to you <laughs> are the various events coming over the next week. Whew, I was worried. Uh, even that one is questionable if it was a good recovery from where I started that segue. But no, I'm wor- uh, I was have... worried that the events were gonna were gonna hurt me. Is that uh, so? It's good to uh, know. Okay. Well, uh, depending on how well you like the events, you may have a different differing opinion, but we do have Rooker Sieges rising from the graveyard to return on the 22nd, along with the Lovely Gift Revival banner on the same day. The Hero Rises voting gauntlet is coming up, and the login bonus starts on the 23rd. Uh, we'll discuss a little beyond that voting gauntlet and why there is probably not going to be any kind of banner for it uh, when that uh, here shortly. Uh, but that voting gauntlet does launch on the 27th itself. On the 24th, we have a new round of Lost Lore and the Grail's Devoted rerun banner showing up with the Veronica and Loki ban- bound hero battle and banner uh, for that starting a day later on the 25th. Uh, right before the voting gauntlet on the 26th, we will have the new legendary hero and the battle with it uh, coming out. And the week rounds out on the 28th with a new round of three heroes quests. Nice. Good stuff. Uh, And uh, you had mentioned it in your rundown with the voting gauntlet. Um, Hero Rises 2021 results. We have those results. They were posted uh, shortly after our last episode. So we're going to talk about them now. And they are, you know... um, they're, I think they're pretty much in line with what we kind of expected. You've got Saros at the very top, followed by Duo Lin, Ninja Lin, uh, Legendary Dimitri, Freya, Legendary Corn, female, Barry Vettelgard, Duo Byleth, uh, female, but we knew that, uh, Duo Makaya as well, rounding out those eight. And as you mentioned, the voting gauntlet will be running um, beginning on February 27th. The winner of the gauntlet will be gifted to all players. And the top four of the voting gauntlet will appear in a summoning banner later on. I think in March they talked about was the confirmation for that. I think so. I mean, obviously, because the voting gauntlet runs through March. But (laughs) they got to have some time to actually, you know, code in the banner. True. And let the Uh, voting gauntlet finish. With February having 27. As soon as the first round ends, they can start getting the banner ready. True. But uh, Brave Edelgard is the... Odd one out being the only character in the normal pool out of that whole list. Uh, so, and it felt like she was getting a lot of hate early on. It was, you know, if you really consider it, the fact that she's just in the normal pool, it's kind of valid desire to get her off the banner. You know? Mm-hmm. But. I don't know. Edelgard's, Edelgard's got this weird, uh, not weird, but people really like Edelgard. And, and Edelgard's fine. Like. I, I don't think the issue was with Edelgard. I think it's the issue with the fact that it's Brave Edelgard, not Legendary Edelgard. Ah. Uh, so there was some Edelgard infighting, is what you're saying? Kind of. Like, the Edelgard's infought and Brave Edelgard came out in sixth place, where Legendary Edelgard got knocked out below slot eight. And for the banner, Brave Edelgard is one that really... I hate, hesitate to say does not belong... But, I mean, she can pop up as a pity break on any banner. I think there's, Whereas, like, a Sesame Street song that would work really well here. You know, which one of these yeah. doesn't belong, which one of these isn't the same, and you're right. Like, yeah, you, you mean, know, Brave legend, Edelgard's... Yeah, Legendary Heroes have limited access. Uh, mm-hmm. Mythic Heroes, Saros and Freya have limited access. And uh, Duo Heroes have limited access. Because I think these might all be seasonal Duo Heroes, but even... 
the few normal duo heroes they did do not go in the normal pool. They only reappear when their banner reappears or they're a focus. Yeah. So. Yeah. Brave Eldegard just sits there in the pool and you could be pity broken on, you know, the um, weekly revival banner she could get a pity break on. Mm -hmm. So. I I think I look at this and I think, okay, um, the top spot is going to be a tough one. I, I can see, I can see the top spot going for Saros and people pulling for Saros being the newest mythic hero. I'm obviously hoping for a, a free mythic Saros, but I'm also fine if I have to summon for her as well. Mm-hmm. I find that I think that banner is going to be Sparkable. Is if I recall, oh, I, I should believe re- they indicated that banner will be Sparkable. Yeah, which is good. But, you know, when I look down the line, I think in terms of the heroes I don't have, I don't have Saros, I don't have Freya or Legendary Corrin. Um, so I, I'd be fine with either either three of those being being free. What I don't want is what I would like, what I would not really like is if one of the free, if the free hero was here's Brave Edelgard. I feel like that would be that would be unfortunate, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, are you are you pulling for a specific character uh, from these eight? Like that you're hoping to win? Um, I man- I managed to get lucky to get a Saros, so I have all of them. Uh, bonus of any of them would be nice, except maybe Brave Edelgard because she is in the normal pool. So most any of them, probably not Legendary Dimitri because I think I've got a decent number of merges for him already. So. Definitely would not complain about Saros or Freya or Linja. You know? Mm-hmm. I feel you. So. Uh, what about uh, what about your next Fae Pass Resplendent Hero? Uh, yes, we recently got uh, Bike uh, Resplendent Niflhelm or whatever uh, hero. And when that came out, we got announced of the next resplendent hero uh in joining erica and light elf guard we have tana as our next resplendent hero um but it looks like erica they did not make her look like a 10 year old so that's good yeah yeah they kept as, her well well lucina got to be a 10 year old for the outfit change yeah like they kind of made her look more like a kid the, that one this is this is still the tana that we we had before which which is which is good i think but yeah i think she looks pretty cool like in in, i feel like her colors are more um muted than what we what we got with the other light elf characters that were very very vibrant colors and and in this case even erica i felt had pretty vibrant character colors but in this oh yeah they might be a little paler but still still pretty vibrant clearly yeah clearly light elf outfit and like colorful mm-hmm. yeah it fits her personality though from what i can remember from sacred stone so this week we have new heroes to discuss we've got the enduring legacy banner genealogy of the holy war returns to fire emblem heroes with a selection of brand new heroes what will we learn this week about these japanese only release characters make sure you play through the forging bonds because so far it's a fun one i have not finished it personally but i'm looking forward to some spoilers later on because eddie has gone a bit further than i have um we're going to kick things off with anand uh knight defender 
Celeste is a cold, snowy land that's known for its distinguished Pegasus Knights. Anand is one of the kingdom's most formidable knights. She is the leader of the four heavenly knights of Celeste, who represent the best of Celeste's riders. Her sister, Erenis, is a member of this group as well. Anand is a sword flyer wielding Unbound Blade Plus, where if unit is not adjacent to ally, inflicts attack, slash defense minus five on foe, during combat and neutralizes foe's bonuses to attack slash defense from skills like fortify, rally, etc. during combat. No new skills for Anand, but rounding out her kit is Moonbow as a special, sturdy impact in the A slot, and guard bearing 3 in the B slot. Um, one of my notes was this is not the 4-star star unit. Uh, it was very interesting to see no new skills, although I'm, I'm guessing one of those at the very least has to be like a semi, semi-powerful type of skill. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, sadly, not every unit can be amazing and have new skills. It's not a great kit, especially with an inheritable weapon, not even a unique weapon for her. Uh, but Sturdy Impact is a Tier 4 skill. And somewhat rare, uh, with the only other instances being on two seasonal units, a legendary unit in Tabarn. Uh, so she's kind of here as a pity break for Azelle hunters, uh, since she is red as well as Azelle, and kind of fodder if you want the sturdy impact. And you might like the character and want to get her herself, you know, and I don't think she's horrible, just nothing amazing. And I think she's still better than some of the non four or five star unique uh non you know or five star unique crappy roles in the past. And part of that might be because I got her and I'm hoping she's decent, but you know. <laughs> well no, it's a good point. The sturdy impact being a skill that's only available on other, you know, special heroes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I mean I'll say this, like she looks she looks cool. She's got a good design to her. Um, and I feel like based on the forging bonds and based on the descriptions of meet the heroes, it, I think we, I think it's safe to say we, we would be more interested in these characters if we had played this game. And I mean, I'm sounding like a broken yeah, record, that's but kind of what I felt about this one. The forging bonds is interesting, but it tells you some stuff about them, but it feels like it would be so much more interesting of a forging bonds if I actually knew who the crap these characters were yeah you know i just i feel like i don't i would love to know i might look this up after the show but i would love to know how echoes you know shadows of valencia did in terms of its success like it it feels like that was such a well-done modernization of what is essentially an nes game like it's almost uh, it's just it was so well done and or maybe no it was a super nes game was it not anyways it's just i want more of that and i feel like if that was an experiment i think it was a very successful experiment and they should they should do more but i believe gaiden was an nes game because i think um maybe the third game uh, mystery of the emblem was a snes game but i think it was a nes game as well but i could be wrong about that it was either way and no, it was, sorry, it was, uh, you're right, it was a Famicom game, so um, it was one of the last yeah. Famicom games they put out. But um, I recall Echoes doing pretty well, and I do recall hearing a year or two ago that there was supposedly a, another Echoes-style game 
in the works uh, before they shut down production for 3DS. So theoretically and hopefully they're they've been working on translating it over to the Switch, especially after Three Houses. But until they say something, we really have no confirmation of it. I heard there was another Echo-style game in the works for 3DS, and then they shut down working on the 3DS. So yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, I I, I think that with this, with, definitely with the success of Three Houses, I, I'm sure Nintendo and Intelligent Systems are kind of looking at what can we do on the Switch uh, with this franchise to to try and. Ugh, it's a double-edged sword. I, I, I think yeah, like and- a remake would be nice, but moving away from the Three Houses model could could be a struggle with uh, with the popularity. Um, once again, not having played it, don't know how accurate it is, but according to um, uh, Opera and Lord Nehru, uh, this uh, Three Houses was the closest to genealogy here. So hmm. until they say something, we can only pray for a genealogy remake. Uh, and if they do actually do that remake, we're hoping they do. Uh, maybe we'll learn more about Azel, Youthful Flame. The half-brother by his father of Arvis joins heroes as a red tome infantry unit. He wields the sparking tome, which grants him speed plus three. Now, at the start of combat, at the start of combat, it inflicts speed resistance minus six and a penalty to their foe's speed and resistance equal to their current bonus on each stat. Uh, each stat calculated independently. Uh, it only does that to his foe if the foe is at half health or higher. He does have a new Tier 4 R Dual Infantry skill, uh, which gives him 5 health and 2 to the other 4 stats, plus 2 to the other 4 stats. And in Arena, in arena if uh, Azel here himself, or any other non-legendary or mythic 5-star who you inherit this skill to, is at 5-star, level 40, and their base stats are less than 180. The game, uh, for calculating arena difficulties, treats him as 180 base stats. Uh, so gives you a chance at stronger enemies. Uh, this skill is inheritable uh, to red infantry units, and if it is given to a legendary or mythic hero, it, the stat hold is, threshold is 175. So if that legendary or mythic is low... 175, it treats them at as 175 at 5-star level 40. Uh, he has no other new skills, but does have Rally Up Speed Plus, Speed Resistance Drone, and Joint Home Speed. Cool. It's uh, it's really interesting that these two characters, both Anand and, and Azel, share uh, a color on this banner in that both to me seem like from from my perspective again not being interested in the heroes from a perspective not playing the game i feel like well this is an easy way to not summon on red because i mean i don't azel doesn't necessarily inspire greatness either um i'm not necessarily looking for another red tome uh magic user but yeah it kind of depends on what you're looking for he has a decent kit uh, especially if you're an arena hound Hmm. if nothing else you might look for him for fodder for to give uh, someone who you already have red duel or yeah red duel infantry three on give them four the tier four, which gives them a straight up boost to their stats of uh, what is it thirteen. Mm-hmm. 
I'm guessing those stats are calculated in getting their stat total. So, and if they're not, you know, it automatically gives them the higher stats to help them with that. That's a really and good point. That tome is pretty useful. It essentially, if a foe has a plus seven speed, I didn't really, they gave this example, if the foe uh, starts the combat with a plus seven speed, it'll give them negative 20 for a total of negative 13 to their speed uh, during that combat. So, you know, can really hammer down their speed and resistance. And in being a tome user, resistance, knocking down the resistance is helpful. So, yeah, that makes sense. I feel you on that. Um, well, let, let's talk about the actual four-star hero, which is Lex Youngblade. The uh, Duchy of Dozel is ruled by the descendants of Nal, who are also the inheritors of the sacred axe, Hellswath. Lex is the youngest son of Lombard, the current duke. The Dozel bloodline is known for aggressive men of ambition, making the easygoing Lex something of an unusual figure in the family. He much preferred the company of his friend Azel of Velthomer to that of his father and brother. Lex is a axe cavalry unit wielding the goddess axe, which grants defense plus five and inflicts speed slash resistance minus five on unit. Unit attacks twice. Even if the foe initiates combat, unit attacks twice. Good to know. No new skills, but has repossession, reposition, sorry, <laughs> he's able to come and repo your stuff um <laughs> which i mean um anyways but has reposition as an assist skill attack slash defense push three in the a slot and attack or axe experience three in the c slot lex is available as i said as the four star unit focus on the banner and you know looking at the art i, I only had one thing to know but i have two the first thing when it comes to the art his cape is very uh Rigid. Well, the, yeah, I I saw some jokes that this is basically a blue-haired Reinhardt, and a lot of people were, you know, photoshopping Reinhardt's face over top of his. But I'm looking at his cape, and it just seems so rigid. Like maybe he should have put it through the wash again, or put an anti-static ball in the dryer. It just, or maybe he's got like that Batman cape that you know you can run electricity through it, and it goes real. Real protective. <laughs> I don't know. It just it just look. I'm just uh, looking at it. I'm I'm just poking fun, but man, I know it's always so easy to tell the rigidity or fluidity of a cape in the still image, but I don't know. It just I hadn't like, really noticed a giant issue. But hey, I'm not saying it's an issue. But if you scroll through, like if you scroll through it, except at the very end where it's 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 battered and basically gone. But it just looks so. I don't know. I'm not complaining. I think it's great. I just I looked at it. It kind of threw me off a little bit, and I think it's just it, maybe it's just a trick of the the way it's being positioned. But honestly, the note I did have that I wanted to talk about in terms of this forging bond, the the forging bond for Lex is I I have not finished it yet, so I hope I, I hope where it's going, it continues down this path. But it is essentially like the two axe groups that we've met, both Hack and Chop. Kind of like coming after Hack Lex? before. I don't think we've met Hack before. Oh, you don't think so? Hack is no. new. I'm trying to. Yeah, I know Chop. We've I met Chop before. Mm-hmm. We met Chop before. I don't think we've met Hack before. So I think that's adding to the lore. It's the most traditional forging bonds. Yes. Where it's like 
there's nothing interesting about this character to really discuss, so we're going to have fun with other characters in the world. And since he's an axe unit, we're going to focus on having fun with axe units. Yeah. And so I, I really liked it, what I played so far of it. And I mean... Oh, yeah. I've enjoyed it. I don't think I've gotten the S-tier conversation yet, but gotten the two where he has met Chop and Hack. So they're both really good. I yeah. I highly recommend people check it out for sure. Yes, definitely a fun one. Uh, for the last character on the banner, we have, as previously meant, hinted at, Aranis, Aranis Knight, the younger sister of Anand and a retainer of Levin, like her sister. She joins heroes as a blue lance flyer. She wields Celeste Frost, which gives her attack plus three, and if her enemy is at half health or more at the start of combat, she gets attack speed plus six, and if she is within two spaces of her support partner, is within two spaces of her support partner in started the combat, she gets to attack twice. She, like Azel, has a new tier four dual skill. Hers is blue dual flying, or b-dual flying, which is inheritable and does the same for Blue flying units, as Azel does for red infantry units. So the 180 stat threshold for normal, 175 stat threshold for uh, legendary or mythic units, uh, giving them higher arena uh, status, as well as the uh, boosted 5 health and 2 to each of the other stats. She has no other new skills, but does have Harshman Plus, Chill, chill Attack Speed 2, and attack defense rain three. So, kind of a nice little twist on those, for me, BS support unit skills, weapon skills, where it's like, if your support unit is within this range of you, it's like, I never even bother giving them support units. <laughs> you know? Yeah, me too. So that's pretty much pointless weapon. Yeah. But this one, it gives her something no matter what, if the foe has enough health. And gives her a bonus if you have set up her, a support unit for her and have them nearby. Yeah, so. the, the support stuff never really took off for me. I never really, I think I did it with my, not even with my. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was yeah, just going to say, I did it with, I did it with a few characters that, when it launched that I personally liked, but I have not done it and I probably should do it with characters in my top four team like my my top oh, four yeah. team has like at least three heroes that never change so i should at least go in and make those changes and i just haven't um yeah and if you're min maxing combat it or con yeah min maxing content it's useful uh for me i when uh what is it lost lore which we're having a version of start here in a couple days um when Lost Lore first started, I would start just pairing random units and working their support up through that. But yeah, I've never really used the support, and I don't think I have any of the units I paired during Lost Lore out on bat, out on teams together type thing, if they're on teams at all. So yeah, the support stuff to me is not much use, but it might help for if you're min-maxing, just generically having it, and you know. If you have a weapon with bonus bonuses because of it, it makes sense to have those support units in there together. Mm-hmm. So, um, this was another forging bond 
that uh, I, I, I have not finished yet, although I'm totally cool with us discussing how far you've gotten. Um, but uh, I love the, she, so Erinus is, uh, is, is talking to someone who says, oh, I'm your son. And she like flips out and runs away. Said, said, yeah. And I just thought that was hilarious. And I'm like, I, I think I'm liking the, you know, this is usually my problem with these characters that I've not experienced before is that like the story is very based on what's happening and I'm starting to piece it together. The more we experience of these heroes, but mm-hmm. I do really appreciate the fun sort of quirky ones. And this felt like a kind of both at the same time. It was fun and quirky, but a really interesting experience for people who probably played that game and know who her husband is or the father of said or whatever. But for yeah. me, I just thought it was like a hilarious back to the future type joke where she's like, no, I can't know. And she's the only one that seems to right. care about paradoxes. It's interesting. And, you know, like, yeah, her point is, like, in her timeline, she hasn't even thought of considering to date someone, much less have a kid. So this is very weird to her. So, and, yeah. yeah now, who so. who ends up being, like, I, I mean, I guess I could look it up, but did you end up finishing out her forging bond? Uh, I don't know if it was yes conversation, but it was definitely one of the later conversations. Uh, after her chat with Fjorm and Fjorm's shock about the concept of Fjorm having a child, uh, <laughs> since Fjorm even Still four dying. years in, four years into her short, you know, soon to happen death, allegedly soon to happen death, is still not even considering thinking about the future at all, you know, and uh, but. After her chat with Fjorm, she goes to Sylvia, I believe it is, who uh, seems to know who Seth's father is. Uh, and after fighting with her for a bit, uh, Sylvia convinces Aranus to either just ask Seth or just accept that she doesn't need to know who the father is. And after convincing uh, Aranus to not um, care who the father is, in Sylvia's own grumbling, uh, let's slip that it's Levin who is Sed's father. And Aranis is so bl- obliviously convincing herself that, no, she really doesn't need to know. And she just completely misses that she was told. Hmm. Right there. Wow. So. Yeah, I have to finish this forging bond because I really... Uh... Yeah, I think in the third one, when she first talks to Sylvia, uh, Sylvia's really cranky at her, which kind of hints that it's probably Levin because Sylvia seems to be cranky at... Um, Aranis because Sylvia has feelings for Levin and Aranis told her that she's not refined enough for Levin or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd have to get to it and read it to full remember exactly what they said. But yeah, kind of hinted at it. It's like, I'm pretty sure Levin was the father, but I'm not certain. And this kind of suggests that that's correct. And then the last one confirms it. Okay, cool. Well, so I will... like, you know, we're all from different versions of the world. So in my version, maybe Levin won't be Sed's father or you're, you won't be his mother or whatever. Who cares if Le- Levin is Sed's father? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I really wish we could play these games, but uh, hey, we'll just keep praying. We've, we haven't stopped throughout this episode. I, I wish we could 100% legally play these games. I should state. Well, in I'm English sure there as well, are I don't think they were Packs and mods. I fan translations of mod or hacks and roms i believe are out there but yeah 
Sounds like work, but um, yeah, that <laughs> yeah is... more work than I want to put in. I'd rather <laughs> wait for them to re-release it. Yeah. So it's one hundred percent legal in and totally supporting the, the developers. They want it translated. Yep. Yeah, but I, but I also I see the other side of the coin of um, you know, uh, if. If if you want to experience these games and Nintendo is giving you no way to experience them, um, I, oh yeah, I I'm not not trying to bash anyone who no. opts to do the other method. Just exactly, I'm not willing to put the time and work into doing it myself. So. Yeah, yeah, you are. You and I are on the same page when it comes to that. Um, well, we have one final hero with this batch, which is the Grand Hero Battle. This is Dithorba, um, Cutting Knight. Dithorba is one of the four Heavenly Knights of Celeste. Pegasus Knights of Celeste are a force to be reckoned with, and she's one of their very best. After the passing of the king, Celeste entered a succession crisis. Dithorba was a member of the army of Tofa, which represented a faction from Celeste that opposed Queen Lana, the widow of the late king. This made Dithorba an enemy of her former comrades within the Pegasus Knights, but despite the circumstances she found herself in, her fighting spirit showed no signs of waning. Dithorba is our grand hero battle unit and is a lance flyer wielding fire sweep lance plus, unlockable at five stars. No new skills, but her kit includes glacies as a special four star unlock, flyer formation three in the B slot, four star unlock, and speed slash resistance 03 in the C slot, which is a five star unlock. So, um, another Pegasus Knight. So, we got so uh, continuing the transition or transition, the tr- now I can't think of the word. Tradition. There it is. Thank you. Uh, we've got three Pegasus Knights. They always come in threes. So um, even though there's four, I, I did not look up who the fourth one is or whether. I just looked it up. It's someone named Pamela. Oh. Although instead of a trio, it seems to be Pamela and um, the Thorba here are separate with only the two sisters. Uh, so they're not looks sisters. very similar to the other two. Green hair, I'm guessing. Green hair, yep. Green hair, Lance. <laughs> it does not indicate that she is related to them. Oh yeah. Then again, Dithorba also has green hair and a lance. So in her she picture, cool. the wiki. Yeah, so, cool stuff. Yep. Well, there you go. Maybe Pamela will get her shining, uh, her her shining uh, example or force or whatever yeah. uh, in the near future. Yep, when I saw your comment that Dithorba is one of the heavenly knights, four heavenly knights, it's like, well, we've got three here. Is the fourth one already here, and we're just at finally adding the other three? Nope, nope, the fourth one was just ignored. <laughs> Poor Pamela. Yep. Wow. Maybe Pamela will get her due soon. We don't know that for sure. Maybe. But, uh, we can only hope we will add that to the list of prayers that we offer towards the genealogy of the Holy War Gods. Um, but until then, we will wrap up our Fire Emblem Heroes chat and dive into the Outrealm Gate to discuss the next chapter of Fire Emblem Three Houses, White Clouds, Claude Root, and we are doing Chapter 6 today. And Eddie, you have the read, so why don't you break yes. it down for us? Chapter 6, Rumors of a Reaper. Uh, last chapter after the battle, Rhea told us nobody outside of those present, uh, what happened and that those varying crests are safe or told us to tell nobody outside of those present what happened and that those varying crests are safe from having that happen to them. Uh, later that evening, you and Claude are discussing the beast and the relics in the library when Tomas sneaks up on you and gives you an additional info, info indicating that 
Uh, those with crest may not actually be safe over time, uh, but also suggest that Claude should stop investigating before the knights notice how heavily he's investigating the divine beasts and the relics. Um, after speculation on Byla's secrets, uh, Claude is again interrupted, this time by Adelard, wanting to know more about his secrets. Claude admits to having an ulterior motive that he needs power to see happen and claims it is for the betterment of all of Fildon uh, and all of the world that Fildon exists on, I believe, is something he indicates. Uh, Edelgard refuses to his offer to uh, help her, and he'll tell her all his secrets if she agrees to do so, stating she has her own dream to pursue, and she hopes that their dreams do not clash with each other. As you are receiving uh, your mission, and it's up to you whether you accept his offer or not, uh, as you are receiving your mission for the next month, Sedith comes to you to straw, uh, panicking that Flane has disappeared. Uh, so that suddenly becomes your mission for the month. The first week is a guaranteed exploring week, uh, as you must investigate Flane's disappearance, uh, complete with a chance to miss the entire month, <laughs> if you so do, uh, do so. Uh, where after you in. After you finish your investigation, most of the submission falls on Yuritsa. Uh, Manuela is not also not around the monastery while you're exploring, and she was last seen heading to Yuritsa's quarters with his mask. Upon taking roughly 21 days or so from the uh, fence outside the guard quarters to get to Yuritsa's room, where the entire time Manuela has been laying there unconscious, Claude rushes off to get help, or rushes off to help and get help for Manuela. Uh, I'll admit I didn't quite get there. Uh, it was, my crazy grinding has kept me behind a little. Uh, so I think Hanneman shows up and Hanneman and Claude take Manuela off. Uh, you and the rest of the house find a secret passage and follow it to see, through many walls, Flane and some mysterious uh, girl unconscious in a room next to the Death Knight. Fighting your ways... ways through the catacombs, using warp panels and other uh, tricks and levers and stuff, you can either choose to test yourself test yourself against the Death Knight or ignore him and kill all of his lackeys. After the battle, the Flame Emperor appears and calls him off. And as you are discussing with some of your students, uh, Claude returns uh, to chat what happened, discuss what happened. Afterwards, while discussing the events with Sedith, uh, he tells you that Flane's blood is very unique, and he believes that is why she was targeted. In order to protect her, he plans to go into hiding again. At this point, Flane appears and convinces him uh, that she does not want to go into hiding, and the safest place is with all the knights here in the monastery, and can, uh, gets him to let her join your class. Uh, while discussing the incident with Rhea, shortly after, you find that the mysterious girl is named Monica and is a student from last year who vanished uh, just before she graduated. And the church has decided that instead of taking her home to her parents who have thought her dead or missing for an entire year, that once she recovers, they're going to allow her to rejoin the Black Eagles. So. Good stuff. Um, my my question, it, 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 so a couple of, of notes. Uh, specifically, Claude being absent from the mission. I remember also Edelgard being absent from the mission for, for obvious and spoiler Dimitri reasons. Dimitri was absent 
from the mission during his playthrough. Okay, interesting. So that was going to be my question. So knowing that they all the lords are missing, and um, I mean, like it's been long enough, the Flame Lord being sort of at this point shrouded in mystery, if if we're looking back at when this game launched and everyone's kind of playing and everyone's discussing it and they get to this point and there's a discussion point of like, hmm, all the lords are missing or the lord is missing in this mission, the flame lord shows up, it's is it a Super Mario or Super Mario yes. Superman Clark Kent conversation of like, oh well my lord was missing, oh well my lord was missing and like it's still leaving some mystery I there. Believe that's what they were going for, mm-hmm. but they don't give. My first playthrough, I never suspected Dimitri of being the Flame Emperor. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you felt about it. Uh, was it Edelgard you did first? Yeah, I did. I well, Black Eagle. I don't was know the only what one. you felt about Edelgard when you got to her, your him her appearance disappearing during this one. Uh, but I do believe they intended for you to speculate whether your Lord might actually be the Flame Emperor. Um, you know, but I don't feel they left enough hints or clues to suggest that one of the three lords of the school was the Flame Emperor that made me wonder, is it my lord? You know, mm-hmm. the Flame Emperor is just this mysterious person who teleported in and teleported out. Why did they have to be actually attending the school, potentially? You know? Yeah, I, uh, I never suspected it was Edelgard at the time. I just figured, oh, it's just a convenient... And this is still early yeah. on in our experience with the Flame Emperor, and I think there are moments earlier in the game that make it harder, especially when you're playing Black Eagles, to see Edelgard interacting with all the classmates, but then in a separate cutscene showing up as the Flame Emperor talking to the bad guy. It just seems too yeah. sort of, you know, cut to cut, like there wasn't enough time passing. But in this specific instance, it's kind of like, oh, I have to walk away. Oh, you know, Clark Kent says, I got to go. And then Superman shows up. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, I just was wondering, and I and I think it felt, you know, it fit really well that all the lords were missing in their, you know, respective uh, roots. Yeah. So I, I was just curious about I that. I think in a couple chapters, another interaction with the Flame Emperor has a similar kind of tease where you're chatting with the Flame Emperor, the lord of your house is not there, and then... The, their loyal retainer, uh, Hubert, to do, I'm guessing Hilda from Golden Deer, uh, shows up asking, hey, where is Dimitri, Claude, Edelgard, whichever one? And then the Flame Emperor disappears, and then the Lord walks up from another direction, you know, mm-hmm. type thing. So, kind of teasing in another conversation that, oh, maybe it is your Lord or such. Yeah. Um yeah. how did you feel about the the war all the warping? Did you dig that or did you find it really frustrating? It's not too bad. Um I'm playing with severely overpowered characters. So I mean when you have limited characters, it's being properly safely splitting up your characters and making sure all the ones that can warp all go at the same time and have enough space to get in there. Mm-hmm. So then you have enough healers going with the ones that are going out to investigate because you don't want to get caught up in a bad situation. But overall, it's a nice way to make extra progress and get some extra chests and stuff. So, Yeah, I'll admit that um, my my the the interaction I had where I struggled um, 
or sorry, I had to rewind time was I was, uh, I, I think it was the, the first warp pad on the left side of the map that brought you into the area with a couple knights and an archer. Mm-hmm. I think I sent in a healer first. I, <laughs> I face checked with, with Marianne and she was well, not happy about the best it. one to send in I know the weakest healer character. Well, you know what I was trying to do is I was trying to find the chest uh on the other side and i I couldn't remember which warp you know i almost said warp pipe mm-hmm. but which teleporter led there and yeah i face checked with uh with marion I, I promptly had to rewind and and realize oh yeah that's i don't even know yeah. why i was doing it because honestly at the end of the I'm day pretty sure this one had a time limit but unless you're like down to the last five turns you really have plenty of time to not have to send in a healer to face check oh yeah it's 25 it's not a big deal it was uh it, it might be lower on higher difficulties, but still, it's like, yeah, you really don't need to send in the healer for that. <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't. I didn't need to do that, but but I did it anyways. And uh, yeah, it was one of those things that uh, I, I quickly re- rewound. Um, uh, I remember in my first playthrough, you had mentioned it that uh, you can easily skip the the entire month. I remember my first playthrough, not really understanding what was happening, and being mm-hmm. like, and very clearly says like um you will you will skip the the rest of this month it very it's kind of worded weirdly skip to the end of the month or the mission at the end of the month yeah it's worded weirdly it's the weirdest thing in this game in that you know they should let you do that mission and then play through the rest of the month on your own in your own way because there is no logical reason for this mission to wait till the end of the month like i jokingly pointed out during the discussion all this stuff happens on the first weekend of the month and then the last weekend of the month is when you get or middle of the week at the end of the month so that's like 21 plus days that manuel has been laying unconscious and you reach his room and flame's been in his clutches the entire time whereas the much more logical thing is have you do the battle at the start of the month and you spend the rest of the month doing whatever, and at the end of the month you discuss, you know, like, Flane's finally recovered, so we're now going to discuss what happened. Mm-hmm. Type thing. You know? Yeah, I I, I, had, uh, I, I didn't make the mistake again. I basically realized what was happening, I'm like, oh, right. But then, you know, I will say this, I went through the rest of the month, and really, outside of missing a couple battles, there's really not a whole lot that is critical that's happening. Like, I mean, you're missing out There's on a couple on more weeks and... of instruction and battles if you want them, but true, there's not a ton you would miss out. And the weird thing that the thing that always makes it weird to me is the fact that even if on that first weekend you go into Yuritsa's room, somehow it still takes you the same 21 days to get there. Mm. Uh, apparently, the night's um, quarters are 21 day drop- walk out. Yeah, yeah. It which seems really great for the security of the place to have, you know, your nights a month away from you if something happens. Yeah, I guess for me it's just I, I don't know. I went through it and like you're not missing anything. It's, it's lore game mechanics trumping logic and lore, but it, or in story. Exactly. But, but but I went through it. I went through it this time. I I did the whole month, so um, it was fine. I ended up recruiting. Uh, Mercedes, uh, Mercedes uh, that I've learned as how it's pronounced, uh, Shamir and Cyril. So, uh, 
good. Yep, good I recruited Shamir because I already had Sh- Cyril and all the other students. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but it was a it was a good it was a good month. I, I enjoyed the map. Uh, the story is starting to progress a little more, and we're starting to get more stuff. I think I remember the future chapters with whole the whole Monica stuff. It'll be interesting to see from the perspective of outside the Black Eagles of Monica joining, mm-hmm. um, because it'll yep. be interesting to to see that dynamic. Um, yep. Yeah. Monica's like I like also I pointed out in my explanation of the chapter is a weird one. It's like. Why wouldn't you take her to her parents? Yeah. Why would you just let put her, her back in class? The, yeah, just send her back to class. I mean, if you take her back to the parents, maybe you'll realize something's weird, or maybe you'll find her parents were killed a year ago. And maybe you'll figure something out. Maybe not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, but you never even try, it feels like. Maybe no. they do try, and they just don't explain it. But It felt very forced uh, in my mind. I mean, but... I, uh, uh, I hopping into it. hopping into the little tease of chapter seven, if I recall correctly, um, uh, Hilda was saying that Monica seems different than she remembers, which I guess confirms that the students are there multiple years, even though it's hard to tell for sure, because you know these eight students all seem to be the only ones you ever encounter, even though there are others running around. But you know, so it already indicates that Monica might something weird about Monica, you know? Yeah. It's very clear that there's there's something weird going on, but we will discover that next chapter when we discuss it, when we do chapter seven. Um, that is going to do it for our episode of Summoner's Call. Um, hopefully you guys have enjoyed our talk of Genealogy of the Holy War, Three Houses, all that fun stuff going on. Um, make sure to play that Forging Bonds. It's really good. Chop versus a hack, which is your favorite. Um, you can let us know by going to our Discord. Check out the Fire Emblem channel on the Gamers in Discord. It's always hopping. bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Find our archive at gamersinpodcast.com slash Faye. Email the show your thoughts, uh, Faye at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at R. Murphy, Eddie at Dralfear. And don't forget to follow at the Gamers in for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforest.net or go to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. It's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week and happy summoning.